to the Andrea K show. She's blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me explode. Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. That just gets me every time. I don't know what it is about that song. It's Rick, actually. Is, is it Rick? Yeah. That, that's what tickles you. It, it may be. My old buddy from my old station before I came here did the voice on that intro. Um, I think it gets me because I just always love coming in here and sharing this time with all you out there. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. I'm on Facebook. My website is com. I get to share this time with extraordinary people like DJ Dijon. Hey, mouthful hey. of donut. <laughs> That's right, because we got always got donuts uh, along with the dynamite. And I have, speaking of dynamite, I have dynamite guests on tonight's show for you. I could not be more excited. I could hardly sleep last night. I have Dinesh D'Souza is going to be here talking about his movie and his book, Hillary's America. And I've got questions posed to him from my listeners out there because I do this show for you and what you what matters to you and, and what's going on in America and of course, what has been mattering so much to all of you for the past four years is Benghazi. And you know, as throughout the primary season, going back a few years, I said I would crawl over broken glass to vote against that woman because of Benghazi. It is, it, it is a story that I will not let go away. And it is my incredible honor to have Pat Smith here with me on the show. So coming after the first break, we're going to talk to her. And I've got questions for her from you all out there. Because, again, this show is about you. Um, and it, coincidentally, on today, as I have had on the show, uh, breaking news today that the House GOP is requesting a perjury investigation of Clinton over the private email server. And these, this is involving when she actually went before the House it's actually a joke to even call them this now, the Oversight Committee that doesn't really oversee anything, but I guess their own pensions. Um, but I guess after the FBI guy came forward and listed all the in- reasons why he could indict Hillary, but then chose not to indict Hillary, he was asked, well, what about the perjury? Well, you didn't, you know, you guys didn't request that I, you know, prosecute her for perjury. So Chavit said, okay, well, I'm going to send that over. I'm going to make a recommendation, which to me is still kind of a joke because representatives... Uh, Chaffetz and some guy whose name I can't pronounce because he's probably good for nothing too, and that's good latte or whatever his name is. He's head of Judiciary Committee, and they said in a letter that evidence collected by the FBI uh, during their investigation, the use of blah, 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 appears to directly contradict several aspects of her sworn testimony. Why can they not say she lied? Why can't anybody ever use the L word on this woman? We know she did, and to recommend it to the Department of Justice... The DOJ, what is the point of recommending it to a longtime uh, Obama administrator Hillary fan who's tied into the Hillary, you know, and Clinton Foundation and tied into all of them? What is the point with this? If the GOP cared anything at all about holding Hillary Clinton accountable for the violations of the Espionage Act, for what she did in Benghazi, for the corruption in the graft with the Clinton Foundation, they would have already gotten a special prosecutor involved and they would be doing something to hold her accountable, but they're not. This is all theater and it does not matter in the end, we must win this election in November to start holding anybody truly accountable. Um, part of the reason why nobody's being held accountable is because we've got a one-party system, and it's all about power. And that's also why we don't have a Republican Party speaking out enough against what's happening on the streets of America. We know, just like Hillary Clinton, 
is not being held accountable. We've got lawlessness going on there with our elected officials. We've got lawlessness going on in the streets of America. And we've got, you know, the, the left going along with it. We've got complete anarchy from Milwaukee after Ferguson after Baltimore. And what's all behind it? It's not about black lives. Because this guy who was shot in Milwaukee was shot by a black officer. What's it all about? It's about, um, as police chief Ed Flynn said, members of the Chicago Chamber of the Revolutionary Communist Party showed up on the streets and turned a peaceful night into a tense one, he said, by leading the marchers. They showed up and they were the ones who started causing the problems because that's what this is about. This is about what it's always about. This is what the division is about. It's cultural Marxism. It's about destroying the very fabric of America so that they can get more and more power to the people in D.C., and the black community, they've been fed by the very Democrats who were the ones who subjugated them into slavery. They've been fed for decades now that they're victims of white people. So there's a party that says, you know what, they're the... These leaders, these rally guys in Milwaukee and beyond calling for violence against white people and saying, quote, they can't cohabitate with white people. In part, you know, I kind of get where they're coming from because they're coming out of decades of being oppressed and repressed by the Democrats, telling them that they're victims of uh, conservatives and Republicans, when the reality is it's the Democrats who are all a part of this, because this is about power and it's about tyranny. And that's one of the things that Dinesh D'Souza's movie is about. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned, because... Um, So much is at stake at this election, and we cannot let her win. And we're going to pick up that up on why we got to defeat this woman on the other side of the break with Patricia uh, Patricia Smith. So stay tuned. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Hi, my name is Colin Pokola, and I'm the owner and founder of Pokola Law. My law firm separates itself from the pack by catering exclusively to small business owners and providing them with that personal touch that they deserve. When you call me, you get me, not an associate or a secretary, just me. From incorporating your business to drafting contracts, helping you bring on a partner or two, trademarking and copywriting your work, and even litigation if it's absolutely necessary to protect your business's interests, Pokola Law can be your one-stop shop for all of your small business's legal needs. Schedule your initial consultation today and mention that you heard me on AM 1170, and I'll credit our first meeting toward any legal work we've discussed. You can reach me by phone at 844-695-1487 or at pokalalaw.com. P-O-K-A-L-A law.com. The information contained herein is for information purposes only and should not be misconstrued as legal advice on any subject matter and does not create an attorney-client relationship. For your consultation, call 844-695-1487 or visit pokalalaw.com. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. That's some special music that's playing right now for a very special Andrea K Show guest. I've got Pat Smith in here with me. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I can actually sit here and smile with you, Pat, because um, it's it's a story that just tears at the hearts of every American out there. And of course, we're talking about Benghazi. Thanks for being here. 
Uh, it was very easy. You bribed me with some etouffee. <laughs> hey, you know what? We, we're we used to doing a lot of bribing down in New Orleans. <laughs> Around Mardi Gras time, we do some bribing with some plastic beads and a variety of other things. So, hey, you know what? I, I, well, I love the fact that you lived in New Orleans for a while, and you, appre- you you know my culture, and you appreciate my people and my food. So I was married to somebody like that. Yeah. Somebody like that. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and my my... Father-in-law was a real Cajun, Ooh, original like Cajun. He was just... Oh, awesome. He was just... He, he, well, I wish he was around to sample my A2 face. You got to tell me if it's good after after you sample it. And of course, I also had to bribe her with some donuts, right? Um, well, let's talk about um, Benghazi. Okay. Um, your speech that you gave at the Republican National Convention just blew the doors off the entire building. I think when I look back at the convention, of course, the Democrats had to say that the, the, the convention was terrible. That's because they know that your speech and the speech with the other heroes from Benghazi were really effective in terms of making the case against Hillary Clinton. I'm glad to hear that because I want the American public to know how rotten Hillary is. Yeah, rotten, absolutely rotten to the core. Right. She lied to me over my co- my son's coffin, and then she called me a liar afterwards and nodding her head thinking that this is, uh-huh, yes, he, I am right and you are wrong. Yeah. And I misremembered. Uh, yeah. I don't misremember looking at my son's coffin. I guarantee you. Every time I see her speak or see a commercial or something with her in which she's trying to pass herself off as this maternal woman who loves kids and people and, you know, cares about humanity, I think about Benghazi and I think about how the evil, you have to be evil in your soul to look in the eyes of a mother who's lost a child and lie like she did. And to find out that he had called you the night before, I did not know that. Tell everybody about the phone call that you got from Sean the night before the attack. Well, I talked to Sean pretty much on a daily basis, either an email or or a telephone or something. And this one particular time, he says that he caught these guys out there taking pictures. Uh, and I said, what guys? And he said, February 17th people were out there taking pictures of everything, including the diesel barrels that were sitting there. Uh, and I said, well... Why? 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 Mm-hmm. Why are they still there doing that? Yeah. And I said, "Did you report it?" And he says, "Yes." And they wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. Now, for those who aren't familiar, I actually had the guys who wrote the book, "The Real Benghazi Story," on my show, and we talked at length about these February 17 Brigade people mm-hmm. that were basically local guys. The, the the security and the lives of American citizens were handed over to locals with sketchy backgrounds. These were people even sketchier than the refugees they're trying to shove down our throats. And that's who they've got protecting. Our, our, our greatest treasure as a nation is not our money that's printed, it's our people. And the fact that they left it in their hands. So he tells you the night before that they pulled the security. And, and what else did he tell you? Uh, the part that affected me the most was he told me, Mom... I'm going to die. Mm. And that's, that's so hard, so hard to hear that. And I asked him why, and he says because they pulled all the security that we had away that was, were with us, it came with us, and they were not going to give us any more help. Wow. And I, 
I, this was and and what they had wasn't good. No, you know, it wasn't good. No, the February seventeenth people were they took pictures the night before, so yeah. they knew where everything was, and that's how my son died. And I want everybody to just think about this: How would you like to have your child killed by diesel fuel fire, and not being able to breathe anything? They're not even able to. Nothing, and nobody cares. And she's watching as a drone was flying around. Yeah. She knew what was happening. And then when I did question her on it, she says, it was the fault of the video. Wow. Did you believe that? Now I'm going to get into my questions. Um, first of all, before I get into my questions, when I first heard that he had called you the night before, I thought this is almost the same as the family members on passenger planes. I want to give people the perspective. There were phone calls made on 9-11, the original 9-11 from people on planes calling their loved ones and saying, we've been hijacked and we're about to die. To me, that's the same kind of phone call that you got. It's just as devastating. This was America under attack. Only this time, under a different Secretary of State and a different administration, we had it. We had a government that didn't give a dang. That just flat out did not care. And that's how it is now. I went to every person that was there at the coffin ceremony. There was Hillary and there was Obama and Panetta and Susan Rice. I went to every one of them saying, please, please tell me what happened. And they all told me it was the video. Are you sure? Because she's saying you're I'm absolutely have... positive. Yeah. Absolutely positive. I ch- I charge you, Hillary. I know. Mm-hmm. I know what I heard. And yes. don't, in fact, you even admitted it later. Yes. Don't don't tell me this stuff. Did you believe, question from a listener, did you ever believe it was because of the video and then realize later that it wasn't after, after that lie came out? What, what, what did you believe at the time? I didn't know anything about the video. When I talked to Hillary, I, I even asked her, I said, what, what, why is my son dead? And she was telling me it was the fault of the video. And I told, said, what video? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about a video. And she says, well, it was the video. And if it's any different, I will call and let you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time she ever spoke to me. So we're, when did you find out, like as Americans, we all found out that she had been already emailing that night before with her daughter, telling her daughter that it was a terrorist attack. When did you find out that truth? Uh, I don't the know. The same ex- time the rest of us did? Probably, because I don't know exactly when it was. All I know is that things keep coming at me from all different directions and I'm finding out because I didn't, I couldn't find out anything from Hillary or her group. They wouldn't talk to me. They told me I was not a member of the immediate family. And they did not have to tell me anything. In fact, well, anyway, she told me that. So I don't know. This is the Andrea K. Show, and we are talking to Pat Smith, a mother of hero, Sean Smith, the real gold star mom, by the way. I am not a gold star mother. I've been told that that's a military term. Who told you that? Do you, do, or is that just in general? Uh, in general, but a couple different people told me that. I don't wow. know what. I don't. Well, know. shame on whoever told you that because. Well, it, it's probably true. Maybe it is a military term. I don't know. I don't know what I am. Nobody tells me anything. Well, I say, and the, the those of us who appreciate you for speaking out in your sacrifice through your son, you are a gold star mom. In fact, yeah, I know other people that refer to you as I'm the daughter of two Marines, and to me, that's the term of someone who loses someone in service to our country. We have a lot of 
different ways that people put their lives on the line, whether they're the official branch of the military or whether they're a contractor who's been hired. Um, it, it, to me, it's the same thing. Um, um, looking at my questions from my listeners, I don't know if you are familiar with the Navy SEAL um, situation, but here's a question from a listener. Are you in touch with the father of the Navy SEAL killed, killed in Extortion 17 who has spoken out and whose identity was revealed by Joe Biden? Extortion 17? I've okay. never, I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, there's some, you know, there's uh, after Bin Laden was killed, there were a lot of mysterious deaths, mysterious deaths that occurred with a lot of SEAL members that were actually involved in that. And there are a lot of questions remain. And of course, Joe Biden, you know, um, I don't know anything about that. Okay, so you're not in touch with him. Um, Another question from a listener. What harassment, if any, have you received from the DNC on behalf of Hillary, from the Democrats on behalf of Hillary? No, but I don't get anything from anybody. Okay. Well, I'm not worth it. Well, you know, I would say that the harassment, what you told me about in terms of, I think there's a, an emotional harassment that comes from seeing media reports with Hillary Clinton in which she says you've misremembered, or the GQ article in which called for your beating, or Chris Matthews. Beating to death. Beating to death. To me, that is harassment. Basically, it's 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 a verbal, whether in written form, in a ma- publication, or whether it's a media type by Chris Matthews, that's all meant to bully you into submission. That's my opinion of it. I, I don't want to tell you how to feel, but that's how I interpret it. I see that as flat out harassment. I'm not going to be beaten into submission by anybody. Why do you think the mainstream media hates you but loves Kizra Khan, the family who spoke at the Democrat convention? I don't know how they feel about him or his family. I don't knock any... They lost their, their child. Mm-hmm. themselves they yes. they can say what they want to say mm-hmm. it's perfectly okay to me mm-hmm. okay um so when i kicked off the show i was talking about the gop recommending the doj um investigate hillary clinton for lying and perjury to me it's just more you know lisa brent's here she's given a thumbs up to that to me i'm like eh, you know it, to me it's more uh theater i don't expect I've, i don't have any hope that the republican party is actually going to hold her accountable well, how do you feel about the job congress has done in their role of oversight for hillary involving and not just benghazi but all the rest of it nobody's done anything that i know of Everybody's saying, oh, this should be done, or we should be looking into this, or we should do that. Nobody has done anything. In fact, I'm, I'm so surprised that nobody, nobody in the administration, nobody has ever called me to tell me what happened. I get all of my information from the 13-hour books and from all this kind of thing of people talking to me and letting me know what happened, mm-hmm. why can't my government treat me like a, a human being? Well, and so I get that Hillary maybe wouldn't want to talk to you because she doesn't want to talk to a mom whose who's son that you know she was involved in, in having murdered. But I'm shocked that, to hear that the Republican Party has not reached out to you. Or have they? Trey Gowdy, uh, Boehner, when he was Speaker of the House. Tell me about any communications, if you've had any, with the Republican Party. I have with Trey Gowdy. I, when I was there for one of the meetings, he says that he's going to check into everything and he's going to let me know what happened when it's all over. The only thing he's told me is, we didn't find out anything. Wow. 
He didn't. That, if he didn't find out anything, it's because he didn't want to know. Because he's a part of the same issue that we've got this one-party system. My theory is, you know, it depends. I think, it, you know, it depends on every official's got their own game that they're playing, their own piece of the one-party rule system that we've got. But to me, in the end, it's all about them. You scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. If we got to hold Hillary Clinton accountable here for lying, then maybe I'm going to have to. I'm going to be held accountable for for my lying over here, and I don't want that. So to me, that's why they're all putting forth a good face. The Republican Party's pretending like they're going to hold people accountable and do their job when they're not. Well, I don't know. I don't know that at all. I do know that my government has let me down. Mm-hmm. The least the least they could have done is call and say, hey, Pat, we're with you. I can't tell you anything, but it's, it's, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Anything. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing at all. They think me, they treat me like dirt, Mm -hmm. and I guarantee you I am not dirt, and I'm going to keep on saying things until I get answers. I want to know why my son is dead. I don't know why he was there in the first place. And I imagine they don't want me to know. Right. And I, I think, uh, you know, when Trey Gowdy asked the question of Hillary Clinton about, uh, and I'm not even sure it was Gowdy at that point, or it might have been the other guy from Texas, who asked her about the gun running operation, if there was a gun running operation going on to Syria. And she said, I don't know, you have to, she didn't say, I don't know. She said, you'll have to ask the CIA. Well, to me, that's basically saying, yes, there was. And she just didn't want to talk about it. For them to not continue to explore that and present that to the American people tells me the Republican Party, they, you know, that happened. It's been documented that it happened. That's why Ambassador Stevens was brought over on a ship, actually, you know, literally on a ship in the night and and undercover. That's why they were at an outpost. That's why they weren't at an embassy. People keep calling it an embassy. This is all very well documented. They were all there to try to get weapons away that had been leaked out into the Libyan community to take them from the bad guys in Libya and get them to the good guys in Syria who are now ISIS. And I think both parties want to cover that up from us. And, you know, that. That was well documented in the book, Real Benghazi Story. In the time we have left, um, it was a beautiful speech um, that you gave at the Republican National Convention. Why support Trump? I like him. Good answer. He's stirring up the pot. This is a (laughs) pot that needed, needed desperately to be stirred up. I know he blows it every now and then. But one thing I want to say to you, Mr. Trump, don't mess it up now, please. Mm -hmm. Please don't. You're all I've got. Mm-hmm. Don't blow it. Please. Yes, I agree with you there. And, my, and I also have been giving a, a message to the never Trump people, the people that say, well, they don't like his tone, or maybe he might say something inarticulately, or, or maybe the way he expresses himself isn't necessarily presidential. So I don't know that I can support him. And I'm saying to the people, and I don't know if you agree with me, to those who say what Trump says or how he says it is somehow worse than what Hillary Clinton has done involving the deaths. We're 35 people were there in Benghazi that night. Four died. It could have been even worse. She literally, Trump doesn't have blood on his hands. She does. Exactly. So, exactly. I, so my message to the never Trump people is even, and I've been saying this from day one, I don't, even if you think that they are the same in terms of policy and you don't think Trump is conservative enough and you think economically he's just as bad as Hillary, at the end of the day, we cannot reward her for Benghazi. 
She cannot be commander in chief. She has proven she 400, somewhere between 300 and 400 times, those people, these heroes in Benghazi asked for greater security. And at one point, Ambassador Stevens says, just get us out of here. That's how bad it is. And you're going to sit at home? I would crawl over broken glass to vote against this woman to keep her out of the White House. Final thoughts, Pat. She knew my son was there and the ambassador was there and these guys were up on the roof getting shot, getting killed, some of them. She knew this. Yes, she knew it. How can she just keep going on as she is on TV and being in on there all the time right. and nodding her head up and down and smirking. Yeah. Hillary, stop smirking. Yeah. Uh, you killed my son. Stop smirking. She could at least have some, at least pretend to have some compassion. Something. She, she cannot be rewarded as commander in chief. She's proven that all she cares about. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't know if she's a sociopath or a narcissist or whatever her pathology is. She makes bad decisions. Very she, bad decisions. She you, makes. You bad. don't want this as your 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 president. I don't. No, I don't either. Thank you so much for being here, Pat. Okay. And thank you for continuing to to go on media and keep the story out there. I will. All right. Thank I you. I will until I see her in stripes. I think. She looked marvelous that way. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to pick this up on the other side with Dinesh D'Souza. We're going to talk about Hillary's America, what it would look look like if she were to win, and we cannot let that happen. This is what's at stake, so stay tuned. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Hi, my name is Kalyan Pokola, and I'm the owner and founder of Pokola Law. My law firm separates itself from the pack by catering exclusively to small business owners and providing them with that personal touch that they deserve. When you call me, you get me, not an associate or a secretary, just me. From incorporating your business to drafting contracts, helping you bring on a partner or two, trademarking and copywriting your work, and even litigation if it's absolutely necessary to protect your business's interests, Pokola Law can be your one-stop shop for all of your small business's legal needs. Schedule your initial consultation today and mention that you heard me on AM 1170, and I'll credit our first meeting toward any legal work we've discussed. You can reach me by phone at 844-695-1487 or at pokalalaw.com. P-O-K-A-L-A law.com. The information contained herein is for information purposes only and should not be misconstrued as legal advice on any subject matter and does not create an attorney-client relationship. For your consultation, call 844-695-1487 or visit pokalalaw.com. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. We're continuing the discussion today. We're spending a lot of time today talking about Hillary. And you know why? Because there's been too much ridiculous focus on some little misstep Trump says here and something else there. Too much focus on that. Not what's really at stake in this election. And for those of you out there, like I was saying before the break, you never Trumpers, you know, there's too much of a fantasy going on that you can sit at home, let Hillary win, and then have some amazing resurgence four years from now. There won't be an America as we know it left four years from now. That is fantasy. And if you don't believe me, I want you to listen to, N- to Dinesh D'Souza, whose amazing movie we've got to get behind, Hillary's America, the movie. Dinesh D'Souza, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Hey, good to be on the show. Before I talk to you about Hillary's America, I have to 
I have to take a moment and talk about the fact that here we are in 2016. And as you predicted, we have an economically and a militarily neutered America with large parts of the Middle East under radical Islamist control and growing. And and when I came in to chat with you today about Hillary's America, I thought, I wonder how Dinesh feels about being right and whether or not you feel any frustration or anger that your predictions came through and that more people came true and that more people did not listen to you, Dinesh. Well, I certainly would have been happier to be wrong uh, in that I was predicting that Obama would weaken America economically. He would double the national debt. He would strengthen our um, enemies and undermine our allies. Uh, he has done all those things. Uh, in that sense, I feel, I suppose, vindicated a little bit that I got Obama right. It uh, emboldens me, of course, to make a call about Hillary, uh, mm-hmm. as I do in the new movie and the new book. Uh, Obama, as you know, came after me after that film. He was bitter about it. He was vindictively denouncing me on his website, BarackObama.com. A few weeks later, the FBI came banging on my door uh, and they got me on a technical violation of the campaign finance laws, mm-hmm. uh, stuck me in overnight confinement for eight months. But look, I, you know, I took those scenes. I, I put them right in the new movie. So I'm not afraid of these guys. And I'm glad to have been right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm willing, uh, um, I feel uh, as emboldened as ever to be fighting against the bad guys. Well, God bless you for being willing to do that. Because I, I, my questions for you today come in large part from my listeners who were very excited that you were coming on the show. And they were concerned about how threatened you feel because clearly you were right and clearly you have an audience and a large one at that. And with so many people, one of the questions from my listeners is, does he feel threatened? Because we've got so many mysterious deaths uh, coming out from, uh, you know, and I'm not even just talking about going back to the Vince Foster days, but recently, do you feel threatened and have you had death threats? Well, um, number one, I I feel a certain kind of carefulness. I mean, I realized that I was careless. I was giving money four years ago to a college friend of mine who was running for the Senate. Um, of course, no American has been locked up for doing what I did. But nevertheless, I should I realized there was a target on my back even then. Mm-hmm. So I'm being a lot more careful. I feel in a weird way a little bit safe on the front line just because I'm so publicly visible. Mm-hmm. You know, gee, if the, if the writer and narrator of the movie Hillary's America were to disappear, for example, I can only think of one suspect, right? Right. So in yeah. a certain way, I feel protected. I feel that the ordinary guy is more vulnerable than somebody like me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about the movie. Who's the audience for Hillary's America? Who are you trying to reach? There really are two audiences from the movie, and I'm now mainly reaching one of them. Uh, the primary, the audience, partly, you know, people say you're preaching to the converted, but there's actually an important role in doing that, especially this year when the Republican Party is quite divided. <laughs> so, for example, I'm thrilled that Republicans and conservatives are seeing the movie because it fires them up, it unifies them, it tells them what the stakes are, it mm-hmm. shows why we need just to hang together to defeat Hillary. Now, I also want the movie to be seen by blacks, by Latinos, by women, by young people, um, by um, by independent voters. And there's a way for that to happen. Uh, but it remains an open question whether it will happen. The, the way for that to happen is for Trump and the RNC uh, and the super PACs to get behind the movie mm-hmm. and distribute DVDs of the film to swing voters. They can do that. I can't. So I'm hoping they will. 
Well, that's, yeah, that's a tremendous idea because we've got so many people in this Never Trump movement. Maybe they didn't see the movie 2016. I don't understand why we have so many Republicans who who didn't come out uh, and support Romney, who, who allowed Obama to become reelected, who now are are digging their heels into the dirt and saying, you know, it's it's as though we've got too many in the Republican Party as well, not to mention the independents and, and the Democrats, who don't really understand really what's at stake. So you're absolutely right. We have to reach the Republicans. What do you what do you say? And I don't really know where you stand on the Never Trump movement or even whether or not you support Trump. But there is so many of the Never Trump people have what I consider to be a fantasy, a utopian fantasy that by staying home, Hillary, Hillary gets elected. And in four years, there's going to be some amazing renaissance of conservatives that are just going to come in and sweep and, and make everything all right again four years from now. And my contention is that it's going to be too late four years from now. Do you agree or disagree? I completely agree. I think that the only way to stop Hillary and the Democrats is with Trump and the Republicans. There's no other way. Now, right after the primaries, which were a little bit rough, kind of a cage fight, and there was some blood on the ground, um, I I can sort of understand the venting that produced some of the never Trump uh, rhetoric. But um, uh, and, you know, I mean, I've been close for some time, my wife and I, to Ted Cruz. His father actually married us five, five months ago. Uh, but all that being said, uh, the fact is I'm uh, uh, unequivocally behind Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, I think that conservatives at this point should realize that it's it's pure foolishness mm-hmm. not to support the Republican nominee. That's only going to help put, put the, the Democratic gang in power for another four years, which is the last thing we need. Yeah. What will people learn that they don't already know with the book and the movie? The Obama film that I did four years ago was just about Obama. This is a film that is much bigger. It's about Hillary, but it's also about the movement called progressivism, and it's about the Democratic Party. Uh, What I do in the movie and the book is I strip the moral capital away from the Democratic Party. The Democrats always purport to be, pretend to be, the party of the ordinary guy, the, the people who have been on the right side of history, the people who have been fighting for minorities and women and blacks and civil rights and human rights. Now, I show that nothing could be further from the truth. The Democratic Party historically is the party of bigotry. These are the people who threw the Indians off their land and did the Trail of Tears. The Democrats were the party of slavery, of segregation, of Jim Crow, of the Ku Klux Klan, of lynching. They opposed women's suffrage. They blocked it for 25 years, both in the Congress and in the states. This is the party that fought against the civil rights movement of the 1960s. It was in bed with fascism in the 1930s. I mean, I'm only getting started, but what I'm trying to say is that the worst deeds in American history have been perpetrated by the Democratic Party, but in an unbelievable kind of intellectual jujitsu, they've turned around and thrown the blame onto someone else. Oh, we didn't do it. The South did it. Oh, we didn't do it. America did it. No, America didn't do it. You did it. Right. Well, and then now that the, the narrative is that, well, yeah, maybe it was Democrats then, but there was this switch. And now today's Republicans were the people that did that. Right. And that's that this notion of the big switch is the last ditch defense of the progressive Democrats that they somehow the two parties supposedly changed places on racial issues. Now, this is actually a big myth. Uh, and you can prove it by looking at the Dixiecrats. The Dixiecrats were the racist faction of Democrats, and there were dozens of them. And you can look to see how many of them actually switched. It turns out they, that number is exactly one. 
uh, Strom mm-hmm. Thurmond, uh, a Dixiecrat, became a Republican. He is the only one. Every other Dixiecrat remained in the Democratic Party. So there's a lot more to say about the big switch, but that's a small example of how deceitful this concept of the big switch is. The big switch in the end of the day is a big lie. Mm. We're talking to Dinesh D'Souza from the movie and the book, Hillary's America. Absolutely see the movie and buy the book. Um, How will a Hillary presidency compare? Another question from a listener. How will a Hillary presidency compare to Obama's? Well, if I may say, uh, just a point on the movie, Hillary's America, the movie.com, that's the website. You can watch a trailer, and if you plug in your zip code, it'll tell you where the movie is playing near you. Now, Hillary is is different than Obama. Uh, Obama, I think, at the end of the day, uh, is has a kind of ideological vision of America. Now, to my way of thinking, his ideology is pathetic. It's destructive. Uh, but poor man Obama, he believes it. He thinks he's doing good for America and for the world. Hillary, at the end of the day, is not an ideologue. She and Bill are more like Bonnie and Clyde. They're crooks. They're, they're, you know, they, they've been running rackets since the Arkansas days. I mean, in those days, they would make, you know, a dollar here, 50 cents there. But as they got bigger, their rackets got bigger. Uh, and it continued in the White House. It continued with Hillary as Secretary of State. So at the end of the day, I think the question is, do we want, you know, we've had crooks in America before, but we generally didn't know they were crooks in advance. We, we found out. Oh, yeah. We threw them out. With Hillary, we know. Why and why is it? Because there's so much talk about the, the left-leaning media and, and how, you know, control the message, you control minds. But, you know, we're not just a nation of the three alphabet, you know, networks right now. The information is out there. You've, you've got to really be completely unplugged as an American to not know that Hillary Clinton is completely corrupt from the Clinton Foundation to the emails in which she completely violated the Espionage Act to Benghazi and on and on and on. But yet she seems to get away with it, Dinesh. Why is that? Well, one reason is that although the information is out there, most people are actually largely unplugged from politics. They listen to politics kind of the way I listened to, you know, to my daughter's music when she was 13 years old. She played in the car. <laughs> I'd, pay, I'd pay a little bit of attention to it, but it wasn't really my thing. And most people see politics that way. They parachute into it for a few weeks before the election. So the media is a very powerful ally for Hillary. When, when you've got academia, the media, and Hollywood in your back pocket, those are the three biggest megaphones in our culture. Now, I'm fighting against that. I've mm-hmm. actually switched my own career around. I used to be just a book writer and speaker. The reason I make movies is not only do I reach more people that way, but I can reach them through the head and the heart. Mm-hmm. And so there's a kind of emotional power to movies that a mere book doesn't have. Absolutely. Um you know, I, I want to backtrack just a little bit to what we were talking about before about the truth about the Democrat Party and who was really the party of racism and the party of anti-woman. Uh, what's your theory behind why the Republican Party has allowed them to uh, cre- create that narrative, blame the Republicans and get away with it? Why have the Republican Party, why has the party let that happen? The Republican Party, you know, uh, there, is a, there is a sort of a, a quip out there that the Democrats, <coughs> that America's divided into two parties the stupid party and the evil party. And, uh, and I think the Republican Party works really hard to earn its reputation as the stupid party. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, you have Republicans going around apologizing for the Republican role in history. And there's nothing to apologize for. The Republican Party is the party of emancipation, the party of fighting segregation, the party that tried to block and did block the Ku Klux Klan before it was revived by President Woodrow Wilson. 
The Republican Party fought for women's rights. It has a very honorable history. Uh, and then you look today, right now, you know, if I were Michael Moore, this movie would be the would be the cause celeb of the Democratic Party. The whole party would get behind it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have heard not a whisper from the RNC. Wow. Um, I guess those guys are making fundraising phone calls. So I would like to urge people when you hear from the RNC, tell them, hey, guys, I know you want my money, but what are you doing to get behind this movie and put it in front of swing voters? Right. Absolutely. Um, you say in, that crime is all based, all crime is based on stealing. And what's going on here and what will happen with Hillary is stealing America. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that the progressives are trying to get a hold of the wealth of America. Now, I don't mean just the wealth of the government or the money that comes in in taxes or even the, the GNP. I actually mean the whole wealth of the whole country, all the land, all the buildings, all the industries, all the money in your stock account and my daughter's college fund. The Democrats don't want to actually earn that money. They don't want to make the, the goods and services at all. But what they want is to control it. And they, they're doing this by letting the federal government gain more and more control over private industry, over mm-hmm. banks and investment companies and healthcare companies, increasingly over education. So this is the way that they, their tentacles spread across even the private sector. And then by installing themselves in control, the progressives get to say how all that wealth gets to be used. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I saw an interview uh, last Friday with a young, really well-known uh, Democrat uh, pundit on um, a major network. And this subject of control from the Democrats in terms of stealing America and money came up. And she said, and, and what Hillary's plan is to expand on that concept and usher in, quite frankly, in my opinion, Marxism. And to me, every speech like reads out of page 94 in the Communist Manifesto. And this young woman actually said, Dinesh, she said, well, you know, I'm not really good with my money. So I'm kind of okay with Hillary taking it and spending it for me. How, with how in the world did we get to a place in our country where that is is in, in large part, large percentage of millennials? I guess I know how we got there because they do control the education system in the media. But what a tough road to hoe we have as Republicans when we're the party of opportunity, not entitlement. So let's say she was here right now and said that to you. Basically, the, the, you know, the, the argument from them is government control is good. I'm not good with my money anyway. What's bad about government controlling all the wealth in America? What would you say to her? Well, first of all, I don't think that, you know, I think no sane person would in effect say, here's my wallet. I want to give it to you and you spend the money uh, better than I would. I don't think anyone really believes that. Yeah, she is crazy. What they actually believe is something a little different. What they actually believe is that by taking everybody's wallet, Hillary will actually spend on me more than is in my wallet. In other words, I will come out a net positive Uh. because I can convince Hillary to spend other people's money on me. In other words, I want to be a thief, but rather than me going and lifting somebody's pocket, Mm -hmm. I would rather do it politically. Through my vote, I will empower Hillary to steal from others for my benefit. Wow. Where, where, if she wins and that ends up being the road that we go on, where do you see America down the road? You, You had a prediction at the end of 2016. What's the prediction for the end of a Hillary presidency? So my prediction is this, and that is that, you know, um, I grew up in a third world country, India. My wife grew up in Venezuela. We kind of both grew up in countries run by gangs. And what this means is that you have, you know, gangs a la slumdog millionaire who control the slums and they control politics and people go into politics to make money. So what I'm afraid of is that I came to America for ladders of opportunity for a country not defined by corruption and bribery. 
So what I, I fear is happening increasingly is the sort of gangsterization of America, the America moving more in the third world way of doing things the way we see, for example, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. And that's what I think Hillary's goal is. She wants to be the first female mob boss of the United States. <laughs> uh, Dinesh D'Souza, the movie is Hillary's America and the website, Dinesh, and how they can see the movie. The website is Hillary'sAmericaTheMovie.com, Hillary'sAmericaTheMovie.com. The book is available in Costco, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere. So I would say see the movie, get the book. And, and get, start emailing the RNC. If you hear from the RNC about wanting money, tell them that they need to get, get behind this. And, and, and I personally know people involved with the Trump campaign, and they need to start putting some pressure on uh, the Trump campaign to get behind this book, the book and the movie as well. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, now stay tuned because we got more on the other side of the break. We got to talk a little NFL. We got last week's last week's fool, this week's tool awards, the hero of the week. We got more of the Andrea K show on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere, folks. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Hi, my name is Colin Pokola, and I'm the owner and founder of Pokola Law. My law firm separates itself from the pack by catering exclusively to small business owners and providing them with that personal touch that they deserve. When you call me, you get me, not an associate or a secretary, just me. From incorporating your business to drafting contracts, helping you bring on a partner or two, trademarking and copywriting your work, and even litigation if it's absolutely necessary to protect your business's interests, Pokola Law can be your one-stop shop for all of your small business's legal needs. Schedule your initial consultation today and mention that you heard me on AM 1170, and I'll credit our first meeting toward any legal work we've discussed. You can reach me by phone at 844-695-1487 or at pokalalaw.com. P-O-K-A-L-A law.com. The information contained herein is for information purposes only and should not be misconstrued as legal advice on any subject matter and does not create an attorney-client relationship. For your consultation, call 844-695-1487 or visit pokalalaw.com. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We are rolling along. We are into the final stretch here, The Andrea K Show. So far, we've had Pat Smith, gold star mom of Sean Smith, hero, American hero, and victim of Benghazi. We've had Dinesh D'Souza talking about Hillary, who has blood on her hands from that. And what is a, a key factor in both of those stories? Radical Islam. And the the... It's hard to imagine that 14 years later, after the original September 11th, that we actually have to even argue over an immigration policy to keep the Islamists out who want to come here and destroy us from within, either through the sword or through Sharia. I didn't have a whole lot of time today because of my special guest to talk about Trump's speech that he gave, which I thought was absolutely brilliant in terms of his plan to fight radical Islam and ISIS. And it, a key factor in that is the immigration plan. We got 8 billion people around the world. We don't have to bring any of them here. So why would we bring people here? who through one way or another want to destroy us from within. And we, and what he called upon was the old Cold War ideology test, a values test. Because if you can't, even even if you're not part of uh, the terrorist mindset that wants to take us over with a sword, if you're not compatible, if you can't assimilate into our culture, 
then you don't belong here. And that's what we did with the during the Cold War. And then on top of it, actually, Milo, go, go to Breitbart and read what Milo had to say in terms of the speech, because he said, you know what? Donald Trump has flipped the gay rights agenda on its head because it's Donald Trump. He says Trump's immigration plan is actually the progressive plan because it recognizes the fact that it is in, in the, these systems, these organ countries that have Sharia, they are the party that uh, they are the people that stone women for being raped. They're the ones go- throwing gay people off the roofs. So this is really the progressive plan. This is the plan for protecting the lives of women and gay people. So hat tip to Trump uh, for that. Um, couple, you, oh, Polly's ready here. I don't know how to segue from the immigration plan into the NFL other than... How about this? It's August, and y'all know that I'm a football fan. I'm all about the NFL, and so yeah, all and, and Joey Bosa should be immigrating from Ohio to San Diego. Well, oh, so. there you go. Thank you for that segue, Polly. I don't know how it snuck up on me, but August came. I am a football fanatic. Usually, I would have long since been starting every day with ESPN, but there's just been too many with an election season. There's been too much going on, but something made me turn my attention to it, and I hear about this Mama's Boy Bosa story here coming up in San Diego. Only have a few minutes what what's what's up with this dude okay so i'm gonna preface it by saying that i am a huge university of michigan football fan so mm-hmm. uh, it's in my nature to hate everything ohio state with the fiery passion of a thousand burning suns yeah. uh so <laughs> I, I i really do hate uh hey, ohio now my state. niece graduated from ohio state summa cum laude okay. baby so okay so not everything then okay. um but uh I'm a big Joey Bosa fan. The, the, the kid is an absolute beast. Like, it was two for one for me when the Chargers drafted him. Like, he doesn't have to play Michigan anymore, and he's playing for the Chargers. So, I, I was super stoked. You're like, woohoo, when, winner. Exactly. Uh, but he is not actually technically a San Diego Charger yet. He still has not signed his uh, rookie contract. He was the number three overall pick. Uh, Jared Goff from the University of California went number one. Carson Wentz from North Dakota State went number two. And then Bosa, you know, those are, the first two guys were quarterbacks. Uh, so he is essentially the number one overall draft pick, and he, I think he's trying to negotiate as the number one overall draft pick because he's the first guy. He's the, the number one pick. Well, how is there but, even any negotiation? Because I thought the NFL came out with their union and said, "Here's the way it's going to be for you draftees. It, you're going to get is. your signing bonus. Here's what it's going. You know, here's how it's going to be paid out to you. you. Show your, up. Your, your salaries are the signing bonuses are not as cut and dry as they are in the NBA. Uh, the, the like the NBA is is going to be the model um, for sports leagues going forward and and subsequent uh, CBA agreements. Mm -hmm. Uh, The NBA has it down. Like, you know, you get drafted, you sign, and this is what you're making for the next three years. And then, you know, there's other things with your bird rights and your rose rights. Right, right, Um, right. And that's what's going to happen with the the NFL and the NHL to uh, a certain degree has that already. So he doesn't like the plan, so he decides to try try to do what? Eli Manning the situation? Uh, Pretty much, except, uh, you know, he, he can't get traded now. So where does he think he's going to, what is he, he's going to wait and try to get drafted next year? Yeah, pretty much. Um, He's an idiot. He should take the money because what's he? And see what's frustrating. Who's going to want him a year from now? And well, I will actually. After he's eaten nachos all year and he's done nothing. Uh, But what's frustrating is it's not so much that the the money that's it's uh, that they're arguing over. It's when the money gets paid. Right, it's the signing bonus. He doesn't want to wait till March, and then he's got Mama coming out right and and um, running her mouth. Yeah, no, that that was that was really bad. That that was (laughs) that that was one thing that was really bad for the Bosa camp. Yeah. So where does it stand right now? Because we're already in preseason. Yeah, we were, the Chargers already played one preseason game against the Titans. And did we and, win? Uh, they did. Uh, okay. But yeah, it's just 
it's 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 not a good situation. Like the Chargers look bad, Bosa looks bad, and uh, it's just it's an ugly, ugly situation. The, 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 this whole situation is kind of the laughing stock of the NFL right now. Yeah, as if the Chargers needed another reason to be the laughing stock. What other what other in in a minute or less? What other scores this week? What else is jumping out? I mean, I, New England's still winning even without Brady, right? That's what? Who is it? What did DJ <laughs> He said go Pats. And, oh, yeah, so that's why I'm turned off his mic. Yes, um, thank you. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, the, the Patriots did look good. Um, who, who looked surprisingly well is for a rookie was Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, oh, okay. Quarterback? Yeah. yeah. Quarterback, uh, his first action. Uh, probably not going to be uh, getting much playing time, okay. but, you know, that, How that was. How did my Saints look? Saints look good. Oh, did we? Yes. Okay. Excellente. Okay. Yeah, Go yeah Saints. Breeze looked good. More importantly, stayed healthy. All right. Awesome. So, He's getting up there. Yeah. You know, yeah. All right, Polly. Thank you so much. You're going to keep us abreast of what happened with Mama's Boy Bosa. Next oh, absolutely. Week, right? All right. All right. Got to shift gears. Um, we got to get into some awards for last week's Fool, this week's Tool Awards. And uh, speaking of Louisiana, um, you know, I started the show at some point during the show. I was talking about Milwaukee and anarchy in the streets and, oh, the riots and burning down. It's just gotten so much media attention. There's been almost no attention for what is happening in my state of Louisiana and what's going on down there. Now, I get it that that this Milwaukee situation is bad because of, because of the political implications and what that's all about. But in Louisiana, eight people dead. It's been referred to by the Weather Channel as the thousand year rain in two days. 29 parishes, 40,000 homes affected. A third of Ascension is underwater. It's a parish. A third of Ascension Parish underwater. 90% of Denham Springs is underwater. And it's not even over because from the Tickfaw to the Tangipahoa, the Amity River, they are all cresting like at 40-something feet. So it's about to get even uglier. And there has been no media attention for this, at least not near enough. I hardly knew about it. And I got family and friends down there. This is outrageous. This, this, is, this is even worse than when Obama ignored the BP oil spill for nine days, which destroyed wetlands, destroyed marine life, destroyed businesses, P&J oysters after 100 years went under. Nothing being done. Don't tell me that you care about people when you are ignoring the complete state of emergency down there. From what I'm told from my friends down there, the stench, this is post-Katrina. My heroes of the week... And I put this out there to the listeners. Nobody mentioned this. And I'm not busting you off for the fact that nobody, because the media is not giving this attention. My heroes of the week are what we call the Cajun Navy, okay? These are citizens down there with their flat John boats, their P-Rogs. They, they went out there and rescued people by the thousands and the thousands and the thousands. And where has Obama been? He's been out golfing. People are like, well, he should be get back from golfing and deal with Milwaukee. He should be down in Louisiana dealing with the homeless situation down there where people have lost their homes. This is post-Katrina. And let me tell you, after Katrina, we had Rita down there. There's a very little part of that state down there that has not been wiped out in one way or another in the last few years from flooding. And the, and the, the administration is nowhere. If, this, if we had a Republican president and this was going on, and there had been no presence from the federal government down there to help anybody, can you imagine the scandal that would be involved? So that's my heroes of the week, the Cajun Navy. For my last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award goes, um, the majority went to Joe Biden. And this is actually kind of funny. Did y'all hear the story of he's out walking his dog on the beach? And I guess the dog went to the bathroom on the beach. And he's on video looking around to see who's watching. <laughs> and then he decides, instead of cleaning up after his dog, he decides to kick sand over it on the beach. 
yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was so funny. I just thought, because you know what, it's so symbolic. I don't want to be crude, but isn't it symbolic of what the Democrat Party's kind of done to America, right? Think it, yeah, yeah. So, uh, from from the dew to uh, the kicking sand over it. And then on top of it, to just make matters worse, while we've got Hillary Clinton violating the Espionage Act, jeopardizing national security with her email schemes, jeopardizing the lives of field operatives, we got Bo, crazy Uncle Joe Biden, at a campaign rally, literally pointed the finger and said, see that guy right there? He's got the nuclear codes he's carrying right there. Identified the guy in a crowd who's carrying the nuclear football with the codes. And people are telling me that they are concerned that Trump's got the temperament to be to have his finger. I mean, it's like insane to me. So crazy Uncle Joe gets the award for last week's Fool, this week's Tool. Hey, I want to hear from you. Let's keep this conversation rolling. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. My website is andreakshow.com. I'm on Facebook. Um, um, let me know show topics and ideas that you've got. Give me your feedback on this show tonight. Thank you, Pat Smith for being here so much. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks to Dinesh D'Souza. Thanks to Lisa Brent for making it happen for me to have Pat Smith being here with me today. Thank you, Dijon. You all have a great night, everybody. Love you all. Till next week. Clap along if you want.